You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon was recorded on Ash Wednesday, March 6, 2019. A reading from the prophet Joel. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. Their like has never been before, nor will be again after them, through the years of all generations. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, for he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, Consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, if you know anything at all about computers, even even just the littlest bit about computers, you will know that computers break. Computers can make you want to rip your hair out. They will tempt you to throw them across the room in exasperation when they don't work. But one of the major skills of becoming computer literate is learning how to fix your computer or your cell phone or your tablet when it inevitably breaks, because it will. But if that sounds overwhelming to you, I'm just going to give you a little secret. Call it an Ash Wednesday bonus. Okay, you ready? You can write this down. When in doubt, push the reset button turn it off and turn it back on. That's going to solve 90%, maybe 99% of your computer problems. Just turn the thing off and turn it back on. For whatever reason, if a computer runs long enough, little bits of data get corrupted for whatever reason, I don't fully understand it, and the computer will stop working, or at least it will stop working well. But most of the time, simply restarting that computer will fix whatever is wrong. Sometimes it's like you get a whole new computer just by turning it off and turning it back on. And our lives are really a lot like computers in this way. When you live long enough, and by long enough I mean like a few seconds, your life will start getting corrupted by sin. And when that sin corrupts our lives, things start going not so good. 
They start steering away from the goodness God originally intended for us, and we find ourselves in a not good place. Sometimes that's suffering, sometimes that's guilt, sometimes that's shame. But whatever it is, when we go off the rails because of sin, when our lives get corrupted, we find ourselves in a place of needing mercy and feeling judgment. And you compound that when you think about God, because when we think about God, sometimes we think about God's wrath. And God certainly has a wrathful, angry side to him. We see this in places in both the Old and New Testament. And it talks about how God becomes angry over our sin, over the sin of his people. When they turn away from him, it doesn't please him. And so we can look at examples from the Old Testament where because of his wrath over sin, he brought judgment through things like thunderstorms and battles and exile and destruction and even a global flood to wipe out every person on the face of the whole earth. And so when you consider your sin in the face of God's wrath, it might just make you tremble. In fact, it probably should make you tremble. Joel gave God's people a stern warning in the lesson that we heard from his writings this morning, or this evening. Joel says, Blow a trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like blackness there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. Their like has never before been, nor will be again after them, through the years of all generations. Now, it's not a very cheery passage, is it? When we hear about the day of the Lord, lots of different prophets talk about the day of the Lord. Generally, what they're talking about is a term common among all of them that means the occasion when Yahweh, God, the Lord God, actively intervenes to punish the sin that comes to a climax in his people. That's what the exile was all about. That's what the flood was all about. And it's what these prophetic warnings were all about. It's about God bringing judgment, intervening to punish the sin that has come to a climax. And Joel's description of this day is quite scary indeed. But this is not the last word that Joel has for us. We jump from verse 2 down to verse 12. And he says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, this is God himself speaking to the people, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, for he relents over disaster. Is that the same God? This is just 12 verses later, but that that sounds like a very different picture from this day of darkness and gloom and judgment and destruction. God is offering mercy. God is holding out his arms of love, welcoming his people to come home. God isn't so much here concerned 
with outward signs of repentance. He's not so much concerned with people ripping their garments and putting on the sackcloth and on the ashes and all those other symbols that people use to talk about their mourning of their their repentance. What God says is that he wants our hearts. He cares what's on the inside. Not so much about what's on the outside. And if the outside is clearly showing what's on the inside, then go for it. That's what Ash Wednesday is all about. It's an outward sign of the inward repentance that we feel in our hearts. God calls his people to return. In a sense, he's calling his people to push that reset button, just like on your computer, to turn it off and turn it back on again, to start afresh, to start anew. And that's exactly what God does for us. When the sin begins to corrupt our lives, when things aren't going so well, God invites us to push that reset button, to return to him. And he washes our sin away. But this repentance should not, again, be just with outward signs. It should signify a change of heart inside of us, a fresh intention to walk in his ways. Now, that doesn't mean you're never going to sin again. You probably will. But when we repent, we give God a fresh intention to walk in his ways, to turn our hearts back to him, to return the embrace that he's extending to us. God's character, his very character, his nature, is to have mercy. We pray that in the the prayers that we say, we'll say it later this evening, uh, when we look at the the prayer of, of humble access that we pray right before we receive communion, that the character of God is always to have mercy. God delights in showing mercy. And one of God's favorite descriptions of himself is actually recorded for us in these verses we just read. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. God describes himself over and over and over again throughout the whole of the Old Testament in words very similar to these, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God is so patient for us, waiting for us to return to him, and he's always ready. God's character is always to have mercy. Today is a day of mourning. We mourn over our sins. We mourn over our wickedness. We mourn over the death that sin has brought into our lives and the mortality that results from sin. And we put our ashes on our foreheads to remind us of those same realities, our sin, our brokenness, and the death that is coming for each one of us. But we also repent before the Lord. We tell God that the way things are in our lives is not the way that we desire for them to be. And we ask him to push the reset button and to restore us, to welcome us back into his arms, to wash away the sin that has corrupted our lives. And you know what? He does. He's faithful to answer that promise each and every time we come back to him. Each and every time we return to him and repent. And so we read in the psalm today, this is just a selection of the verses we read. 
The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You hear that same phrase yet again here in the Psalms. And then in verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. When we turn to him in repentance, that's what he does. He removes our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. I challenge you to count how many miles that is. You can't. As far as the east is from the west. And then in verse 14, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. God knows our weakness. God has been tempted in Jesus in every way that we have been, and yet without sin. He took on our flesh so that he could experience all the temptations that we face. But he was victorious over sin so that he could offer himself in our place. And so in him, we have not just a merciful Savior, but also a compassionate Savior. One who knows who's experienced himself exactly what it's like to be in our shoes. He knows our weaknesses. And he knows that we are but dust. And he has compassion on us. God is always faithful to forgive us when we return to him. Today is the first day of Lent, a season of the church year that stretches on for the next 40 days. It's a season of preparation for the glorious feast of the resurrection at Easter, when we remember how Jesus trampled down death by death and conquered the grave once and for all. And so this journey is set out before us. And in this season, we do a number of things. We talked about them in the the introduction to the service today. We fast. We practice self-denial. We pray. We give alms. But before we do any of this, we repent, which we'll do in just a few moments. We repent and return to the Lord. We say to God, I can't do this on my own. I can't carry this weight of sin on my shoulders any longer. Would you please take it from me? Would you please give me a fresh start? Would you help me to start over? Would you push the reset button for me? And so we read in the book of Hebrews this challenge. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But before that, it says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. So in just a moment, that's what we're going to do. We're going to lay aside every sin, everything that weighs us down, everything that keeps us from following God in the ways that we desire to, the ways that we know that we should. And we let God take that off of our shoulders so that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your mercy. 
We thank you that even though we don't deserve it, you take our sins from us as far as the East is from the West. And that when our lives get out of control, you call us home to you and you push our reset button. We pray, Lord, that you would bring to mind all the ways that we have sinned against you, all the ways that we have not walked in your ways, all the ways that we have not loved our neighbor as ourself. We pray that you'd bring those to mind and help us to repent of them. And then please lift this burden off of our shoulders. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.